Good morning, Lydia House. I'm going to wave at you, wave back. And now those of you by Zoom, I can see a few of you. Can I get a wave? OK. We're glad to be here. Scripture says two or three, or 20 or 30, or 200 or 300 are gathered together. The Lord is there in the midst. And so we welcome you, but we also welcome God, right in our midst. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that you have so superintended in your universe that we would come together once a week to celebrate our life in Christ and to encourage one another. And that's what we intend to do through worship, through word, through fellowship this day. Please be with us. Your promise is that you will be with us when we gather. And so we thank you for that in advance. <clears throat> we pray for any who are here who are troubled for any reason, troubled in their body, troubled in their spirit, and need your encouragement, need your strength. <clears throat> we pray that they would get that today, that through what is spoken, through what is sung, through what is shared, through a hug, through a, a, a hello, that they get what they need to leave here encouraged in you. And so we thank you. We open our time together in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we have an offering box back here. You can give online if you'd like to. We love to give. Nate and I have talked a lot about this. We're a giving church. We give away. And uh, thank you for uh, being givers at Lydia House. And uh, that's the way it's supposed to be. Given and shall be given to you, Scripture says. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, pouring over, shall come into your lap. So online giving is also a possibility. Nate, you said a couple other things that you wanted me to announce. Help me out here. <coughs> Anything? Tech team is looking for <coughs> some volunteers. Uh, so if when you're going to be here in person, or whether that's soon, or whenever that might be, um, let CJ know, let me know if you're interested in helping out with tech once in a while, or constantly. Um, these days we're doing a lot of tech stuff, you know, with Zoom and with putting it on the on YouTube afterwards and everything, so um, there's a little bit of work to do, so if you want to help out in that capacity, please let us know. Also, we will be meeting outside soon. I don't know exactly and very when, soon. but soon and very soon, possibly next Sunday. Uh, we'll start to meet outside. Yay! There's a clap happening. There's one person excited besides me. Um, yeah. I'm excited to meet outside, and we know that there are some people who join us online or who join us afterwards who would like to come in person if we were outside. And so please stay tuned, folks. Uh, we'll be outside soon. It may be, you know, in the 50s because it's spring. But So bring a coat. Toss one in your car so you're ready to go to church next week. We want to have some prayer for healing before we move into a time of worship. So if there are needs, you can share them with us, or you can just raise your hand, and we'll remember you as we pray. Needs for healing, raise your hand if any of you have them. 
If you're close to somebody with a hand raised, like right here, you put your hand on the person that has a hand raised. We got one here. I'm going to come over this way, and we're going to believe that God touches. The Word of God makes this very clear. Before God revealed himself as a father, he revealed himself as a healing God. For he says in Isaiah, for I, 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 Exodus, I am the Lord, your healer. So we come to you, Father, for healing. Believing your word that when we stretch out our hand to heal, that power comes through, not because we're anything special, but because you are special and you love to heal and touch people. So we're asking and we're believing for these who have raised their hands and any who are uh, listening on at home. We speak healing in Jesus' name. Healing. Thank you, God. Thank you. Who forgives all your iniquities and who heals all your diseases. Psalm 103. And so we prepare our heart now. We come into the audience of the king and the God of the universe. And so just for a moment, we look inside. Is there anything that I need to adjust, any outlook, any attitude that I need to change, anything that I need to confess? Just take a moment. We don't live here, but we do take a check. We don't spend our time looking for how bad off we are, how, how sinful we are, but we just check our heart, then we confess. We confess, O oh Lord, those attitudes, those outlooks, those words quickly spoken that were unkind, were abrasive, not from you. Cleanse us now, because we're going to be with you this morning. We're going to be in your presence this morning. Cleanse our hearts. Forgive us. Release us. And come now with your Holy Spirit. Be poured out plentifully upon us. Not just for ourselves. Because you tell us when we come together, each one. So we want to hear from each one this morning. We want to hear the words that you would bring through a brother or sister. Prophetic words. Encouraging words. And so we cleanse out our heart as we prepare ourselves for this time of worship. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Happy Lent. How's Lent going for everyone? Still my favorite season. Uh, hard, one of the harder seasons of the year, I think, for the church spiritually. It's hard to look at the cross. It's hard to look at what Jesus has done. We're going to continue talking about the cross and the work of Jesus today, like we have the last few weeks. We're going to sing about it, and the songs were chosen <laughs> intentionally for theme this week. Uh, it's good to talk about the cross, to read about the cross, to hear it preached, but it's, sometimes it's helpful to sing it. It just brings it home in a different way. So join us this morning as we worship the Lord. Feel free to stand, sit, dance, kneel. Um, you might feel like kneeling, actually, once in a while this week. Lord, we come to you today in full realization of what you have done for us. We thank you for the cross. Jesus, we thank you that you were 
bruised for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Mm -hmm. We praise you for what you've done and we receive that work this morning. Thank you, Lord. To the cross I look, and to the cross I cling, of its suffering I do drink, of its work I do sing, for on it my Savior, both bruised and crushed, showed that God is love. God is just at the cross you beckon me draw me gently to my knees and I am lost for words so lost in love I'm sweetly broken holy surrender Priceless gift, undeserved life, have I been given through Christ crucified? You called me out of death, you called me into life, and I was under your wrath. Now through the cross I'm reconciled. Oh yeah. At the cross you beckon me. Draw me gently to my knees. And I am lost for words. So lost in love I'm sweetly broken. Holy surrender. At the cross you beckon me. Draw me gently to my knees, and I am lost for words, so lost in love, I'm sweetly broken, holy surrender. Your redeeming love and how great is 
is your faithfulness at the cross you beckon me draw me gently to my knees and I am lost for words so lost in love I'm sweetly broken wholly surrendered at the cross you beckon me draw me gently to my knees and I am lost for words so lost in love I'm sweetly broken wholly surrendered at the cross you beckon me draw me gently to my knees and I am lost for words so lost in love I am sweetly broken holy surrender we surrender our lives to you Lord Jesus we thank you for the cross we give up our own dreams our own expectations and we surrender them to you we praise you that you surrender to the will of the Father on the cross give us the grace to do the same Hallelujah, praise the Lord. 
has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Shout out some things you're thankful for about the cross. Forgiveness. Thank you for forgiveness. Amen. I love a living hope. So many have dead hopes. I hoped that this would happen and it didn't. We have a living hope. of the cross and your new covenant you made a way where there wasn't a way before That's right. 
we no longer separated from you because of the cross of Jesus Christ. We thank you that there is no separation, no condemnation. We thank you that nothing is holding us back from you. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd help us live like nothing is holding us back. Not our sin, which is paid for. Not our shame, which is taken. We have an incredible destiny in God. We, we, we don't look back with shame. We look ahead with joy and expectancy. Say thank you. Thank you for the cross that you have carried. Thank you for your blood that was shed. You took the weight of sin upon your shoulders and sacrificed your life so I could live. Now nothing is holding me back from you, Redeemer of my soul. Now nothing can hold me back from you. Your love will never let me go. Thank you for your death. Thank you for your death and resurrection. Thank you for the power of your blood. And I am overwhelmed by your affection. The kindness and the greatness of your love. The kindness and the greatness of your love. Now nothing, now nothing is holding me back from you, Redeemer of my soul. Now nothing can hold me back from you. Your love will never let me go. Now nothing is holding me back. Now nothing is holding me back from you, Redeemer of my soul now nothing can hold me back from you your love will never let me go thank you that we're living thank you that we're living in your kingdom Jesus you're the king upon the throne Thank you for the way you always loved me. And now I get to love you in return. Thank you that we're living in your kingdom. Thank you that we're living in your kingdom. Jesus, you're the king upon the throne. 
Thank you for the way you always loved me. Now I get to love you in return. Now I get. Now I get to love you in return. One more time. Now I get. Now I get to love you in return. Oh, Jesus, you make all things new. Oh, Jesus, you make all things new.
make all things new. Are there some things that you're saying, no, he can't make that new. That is uh, dead and uh, decayed, and there's no way that he could turn that around to make it new, to bring hope out of decay and death. Well, what did he do? He broke the power of sin at the cross. He took it to the grave, buried it, and came out new, a living Christ. And he can do the same for us. So we trust you to do that. We trust you for healing. We trust you to make all things new. So let's think about that. Let's think about what is it that we're hesitant to give to the Lord? Maybe it's part of our sin. Maybe it's part of our shame. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to us now. Those of us in the room, those of us on Zoom, those of us joining at a later time. Search us and know us, Holy Spirit. What are the things that we've held back? What are the disappointments that we still live in? What are the ways our heart was broken that it hasn't been healed yet? I think disappointment is a big one. Disappointment leads, can lead to hopelessness and depression and a whole lot of stuff. For many, it's been a very disappointing past year in many ways. We thank you, Lord, that you've taken that on the cross as well. But we have to let it go. We have to hand it over to you. Just like our forgiveness is there, but we need to repent in order to see the forgiveness. Our disappointment was taken on the cross as well, but we need to give it to the Lord. Cast all your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. So, Lord, help us to hand, out, hand over our disappointments, to hand over our brokenness and let you heal us. We confess the times we may have been disappointed in you. Maybe we expected something from you or we asked you or we begged you for something and it didn't happen. We confess if we were disappointed in that and maybe we've held on to that a little bit. Maybe we're hesitant to come and ask for something else or hesitant to approach because we were disappointed last time. We confess that we see in part and we don't always understand but it's not a sin to be disappointed. It's not a sin, but we do need to let it go. Amen? So Holy Spirit, show us the times that we may have been disappointed in you and we haven't let that go. Help us to let it go. We invite you, Holy Spirit, into our lives, into our hearts to take a desert place and turn it into a lush and growing, vibrant valley.
to the barren places light to the darkest spaces God it's your nature you bring joy to the broken and hearted hope to the ones who lost it God it's your nature there is no desert that your streams can't run to there are no ruins that your love won't make new you tell the wasteland that it will bloom again cause it's your nature you will restore the years that shame has stolen you keep the promises that you have spoken I know this wasteland will be whole again cause it's your nature bring peace to the war inside us speak and I'll fear your nature bring joy to the broken and hardened hope to the ones who lost it God it's your nature there is no desert that your streams can run to there are no ruins that your love won't make new you tell the wasteland that it will bloom again cause it's your nature you will restore the years that shame has stolen you keep the promises that you have spoken I know this wasteland will be whole again cause it's your nature sing out sing out oh barren woman sing out oh broken man stretch out your hands believe this is your promised land break out of disappointment break out of hopelessness stretch out your hands believing this is your promised land sing out O oh barren woman sing out O oh broken man stretch out your hands believing this is your promised land break out of disappointment Break out of hopelessness, stretch out your hands, believing this is your promised land.
God has a promised land for each and every one of us. He has a promised land for this church. Maybe some of you feel like you're walking through that promised land now. Maybe others, you feel like you're still in the desert and you haven't crossed over yet. I encourage you to reach out and take it by faith. Father God, give us the faith to reach out and just step in to the promised land that you have already conquered for us on the cross. The deserts we walk through are difficult, but Lord, we know you're bringing us somewhere. And so in faith, we step out. out your hands believing this is your promised land sing out a barren woman sing out a broken man stretch out your hands believing this is your promised land break out of disappointment break out of hopelessness stretch out your hands believing this is your promised sing out. land. Sing out, O barren woman. Sing out, O broken man. Stretch out your hands, believing. This is your promised land. Break out of disappointment. Break out of hopelessness. Stretch out your hands, believing. This is your promised land. Sing out, O barren woman, sing out, O broken man, stretch out your hands, believing this is your promised land. Break out of disappointment, break out of hopelessness, stretch out your hands, believing this is your promised land. Is your promised land? Uh, to give them hope? You, you look very nice today in your tie. Go ahead. God made the world. He made everything. And he died on the cross to break our sins. He, he did that because he didn't want us sinning anymore. It, so true. Keep going. If you have more to say, go ahead. You're right on track. That's what we're talking about. 
And if no one ever listened to God, they won't be in heaven. But, but if they do do what God says, then they will be in heaven. How long? Forever? Yes, forever. Forever? forever. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's a great word. Thank you. It's a good sermon. Yeah. Thanks, Gideon. Jesus said, allow the little children to come and don't hinder them. Amen? And I don't know about you, but I grew up in a church culture where that would not have happened. And we're thankful that we live in a place where it does. Thank you, Gideon. Thank you, Jesus, for blessing our children. Continue to do so. I bless all the children who are here. Bless all the children who are home, watching on Zoom, watching later on YouTube. We bless you in Jesus' name. Just because you're small doesn't mean you can't do this stuff. Doesn't mean you can't join in. Yeah. I bless the parents of you and you. They're doing something right. Amen. Right? Yeah. Anyone else have a word? They feel is for the group. Do you have anything to say, Grandma? Anything you want to share with the group? I just want to say, praise the Lord for all the the Lord is doing through these young people to share with us, to teach us, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for all that you're doing. We love you, Lord. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Let's sing to Jesus, you make all things new. Bridge, one more time. Thank you for the cross, oh Jesus. 
Jesus, we pray that you would help all of us now to open our ears and open our hearts and open our minds to receive your word. We pray that you would bless Andrew as he delivers that to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on up, buddy. Hi again to everybody at home. Good to see you. I think I could use your music stand. Yeah, I'm going to grab this one. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, in person, online, in real time, and in the future. Yes. Hello to my future self. <laughs> well, there's been at least three things shared already that connect with the sermon I prepared, so that's encouraging to me that we're on the right track, yes. that I'm on the right track. We don't have a more firm surface, do we? Right. <laughs> the wind is still more firm. Perfect. Alrighty, so we are one week away from celebrating what? Passover. Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday was what I was thinking of, yeah. And then two Sundays away from celebrating what? Resurrection. Resurrection Sunday, absolutely. I feel like often we look at Jesus' journey to the cross and we focus on Holy Week and his passion. And I want us to zoom out even further a little bit and uh, look at what he was doing even prior to arriving in Jerusalem. So as we look toward the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, uh, let's step into the events and the interactions that Jesus involved himself in prior to his ultimate act of sacrificial love. So who has ever heard of the word cruciform? Cruciform, you get a pass as a pastor. <laughs> cruciform, C-R-U-C-I-F-O-R-M. Uh, so what do we think cruciform means? If you look at it kind of literally. In the shape of what? Yeah, the shape of the cross. So very simply, cruciform means cross-shaped. So Jesus showed and allowed for his life to be shaped by the cross even before arriving at the cross. Jesus chose humility and he chose self-sacrificial love. And we as followers of Jesus also have the opportunity to have our lives shaped by the cross, both by what we receive from Jesus and how we conduct our lives day to day. So if you have a Bible, uh, we're gonna be spending some time in Mark 10. Well before Jesus was crucified, he said that anyone who chooses to follow after him must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. So this, is cruciform living. So I'm going to ask a question that I'm not expecting an answer for right now, but uh, we have discussion time later, we can consider our responses. 
So we can think about this through the message. How can we choose to deny ourselves? And what does denying ourselves practically look like? What does it actually mean for you? So life with Jesus is firstly an invitation into death. Um, that's probably not the most exciting advertisement to get people to grow in your organization. Um, but it's still, uh, I think, true. So we as followers of Jesus are to die to self. We are to unseat ourselves as the Lord of our life and allow Jesus to have preeminence in everything and anything about us and about our lives. The Christian life is not about how we can get ahead or how we can uh, better ourselves. It's not based in selfishness. We are to follow Christ's example of living out humility. So what is humility? Anybody familiar with the C.S. Lewis quote of humility? It's not thinking of yourself less. It's just thinking of yourself less often. Humility is laying yourself down selflessly. Humility is not laying down as a doormat for people to trample all over and take advantage of you. Humility is not personal debasement or degradation. Humility is pure, agenda-free love and service. And Jesus, of course, gave the supreme example of humility in his incarnation, his earthly ministry, and of course, in his death. So let's bear this in mind as we consider what took place prior to Jesus going to the cross, prior to the triumphal entry, prior to Holy Week. And so we want to look again in Mark 10. So if you just do a, even a glance through Mark 10, you see that it begins with Jesus teaching on divorce, followed by an interaction between Jesus and some children. And I think it's interesting and important that in the final weeks and days of his life, Jesus never once turned inwardly focused or acted in preference to his own interests above the interests of others. Here we see Jesus valuing family, valuing marriage. Jesus responds to the test that was uh, presented to him by the religious leaders. And Jesus, in responding to their test, quotes the very scriptures that they knew inside and out, but scriptures and truth that they did not allow to take root and have any life-giving bearing or impact on their lives. I'd say that their vision was so clouded by knowing every last bit of the law and upholding every point of the law that they were blind to beholding the Son of God in their midst. Mm -hmm. Jesus' interaction with the children is also significant, and that relates to what comes next when he encounters a rich young man. <clears throat> so Mark 10, 15 says, and these are Jesus' words, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. All right, so this time I do want your feedback. What do we think that means? How can we, we receive the kingdom of God in a childlike way? Shout it out. It would be the childlike way. <laughs> Trust. Trust. Good. What else? What else does entering the kingdom of God like a child, what else does that look like, mean? 
little things make kids happy. Mm. And so we don't have to have the great things, but little things that we can be caught up in gratitude and thanksgiving. Good. No strings attached. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone hear that blind obedience, no strings attached? Anything else we want to add to our list, or are we, we comfortable with that? I like it. I think it's good. So even in, these, in this interaction with the children, we can see connections to the cross. Low status and humility are celebrated by Jesus. The children didn't have power. They didn't have prestige. But according to Jesus, it was being like children that makes for being an inheritor of the kingdom of God. So we read that Jesus set out on his journey. And this journey eventually led to the destination of his death. As he was setting out on his journey, Jesus was met by a rich young man who seemed to also have been considering where he was headed, sensing that even all of his riches could not afford him eternal life. So if you even just briefly compare the rich young man to Jesus, we can see that death is related to both. Jesus is headed to his death. It's a gruesome and vicious death that was going to be carried out in the style of executing a criminal. His death was not defeat, but Jesus' death was victory. Jesus defeated Satan and sin. Jesus made the way for a whole relationship to be experienced between humanity and God. Jesus, of course, did not remain in the grave, but was raised to life. The rich young man knew that at some point in his life, his life would come to an end. He was desirous of having eternal life. Mm -hmm. What could save his life? What could give him this eternal life that he's seeking? Well, Jesus clues us in. So after teaching about divorce and blessing these children that were brought to him, Jesus was in the process of moving on from where he was and going elsewhere, eventually to Jerusalem and to the cross. An unknown man runs up to Jesus. It is clear that this man is coming to Jesus with a level of urgency, and what he wants to connect with Jesus is about Jesus about is of such importance and significance to him that he's willing to humbly come before him, running to Jesus on his own two feet. Jesus responds to the man by referencing the commandments given by God to the people of Israel, as we see in Exodus 20 and in Deuteronomy 5. Jesus is setting up something very interesting here. Looking at this verse alone, it would appear that Jesus wants to determine whether or not the man has met these standards in keeping these commandments. And in truth, Jesus is doing that, but that's not the place that Jesus leaves the man at. The man, again, referring to Jesus as teacher, affirms that he has, in fact, kept these commandments from when he was young, no less. On this front, it looks like the man is doing really well. He's not only a very wealthy man, but a good commandment-following man as well. But with Jesus, there is more. We read that Jesus looks at the man. I believe he looked right at him. He's not looking past him. He's not looking through him. In this moment, the man is not some insignificant figure, a part of a greater scene that is happening around him. All of Jesus' attention is focused on this man. 
on a man who appears to have so much and yet recognizes a desperate need which his money, status, and possessions can never meet or afford him. And that need is eternal life. Of all the great possessions that this wealthy man has had, eternal life was not one of them. Jesus sees the man's need. Jesus did not turn the man away or brush him off as a hopeless case. Jesus looks at the man and loves him. There is more at play here than simply a teacher teaching or a hypothetical what-if situation being thrown out. This is a real person, someone who has earned or otherwise accrued substantial wealth in his life and yet knows he is lacking something greater than all of that. Jesus sees the man and his state of desperation. Jesus sees this man's heart. Jesus looks at him and he loves him. Mm -hmm. Jesus sees this man's heart and his earnestness to find true fulfillment in something of invaluable measure. This man believed so much and desperately needed to find the answer to his question that he took off running after Jesus, humbling himself before Jesus in pursuit of life-giving truth. It was this man's belief that the good teacher would be able to answer his question, would be able to bring peace to his inner turmoil, and would provide him with what he desired, or at least provide him with a map of how to get there. The man is right in coming to Jesus. However, the answer that Jesus has for him is probably not what the man wanted to hear. Jesus tells the man that he lacks one thing. Of all the many possessions that this man has, he does not have it all. Though he likely had some incredibly valuable things, the man did not have what is most precious and of most value. Jesus tells him to do just two things and then follow him. The man is to go and sell all that he has. All the possessions that he has, all of his great wealth must no longer be his. Instead, he is to sell all that he has and give to the poor. So in essence, the man is to exchange social status with those who are far below him. All this man has is to no longer be in his possession, but will quite likely be divvied out if he sells it to many other people. From a natural worldly point of view, this man would have no amount of treasure remaining. Though he may not have any earthly treasure left, Jesus says that he is to do this and the man will then have treasure in heaven. Jesus calls the man to follow him and this is what must be done first. In Mark's gospel, readers see that the way of life is first a way to death, which is a journey that must be taken without taking anything else along. If this man of great possessions obeyed Jesus' direction, everything that was comfortable, everything that was normal for him would never be the same again. He would be an entirely different social standing. He'd be without a home of his own and without the many comforts that, he, comforts that he was more than likely accustomed to. It would be a humbling experience and yet a very freeing one. His life would be completely made new and he would become a follower of the one who called him to leave it all behind. In the world's eyes, it might not make much sense or seem like a wise decision to make. But the concern of Jesus here is not about earthly measures and standards of value, but that which comes from above. 
The man would have treasure in heaven, and he'd be the newest recipient of eternal life. However, the call is great. So we read that Peter points out that unlike the man who had great possessions, he and the other disciples actually did leave everything to follow Jesus. Perhaps Peter is seeing a connection between abandoning wealth and inheriting the kingdom of God. If so, bold Peter is making it very clear that he and the others have done just that, leaving everything behind to follow Jesus. Or perhaps Peter is thinking out loud whether or not his decision to leave everything and follow Jesus has been worth it. The kingdom of God is not entered into easily, evidently. Even the most well-to-do people are unable to enter it. Peter may be wondering, has all of this been for nothing? And Jesus provides the answer. Jesus says, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. The cost of discipleship is great, but the reward is far greater. Jesus is saying that even though those who choose to follow him may leave so much behind, eternal life is theirs to possess, and there is so much gained even in this natural life. They have new family, new community. They have family members in the community of faith in even greater numbers than they knew in their biological families. What each individual leaves behind pales in comparison to what they all possess together collectively in this new family and new community. So Jesus does not present an unrealistic reality, nor does he offer expectations that are not based in truth. In addition to these great many things and the blessings of gaining new family, Jesus is clear to warn of persecutions. Jesus set the greatest example of what enduring persecutions could mean and look like. It is no wonder that those who follow him can expect to also experience persecution. The persecution, such as hardships, mockery, imprisonment, abuse, punishment, disownment, etc., that Jesus tells his followers to expect is persecution that, be- that comes because of their relationship with Jesus and to the gospel. Jesus is upfront with his audience on the subject of discipleship. Not only is it very difficult to enter into, into the kingdom of God, but those who are saved have essentially put a target on their back and can expect to be the quarry of any number of people in their life seeking to persecute them. Again, Jesus is talking about what that which goes counter to the culture around him and around those who follow him. Jesus says that those who are last will be first. These will be the ones who truly have high status. These are the ones who have a greater and a better portion. These are the ones who have a more valuable and meaningful position. These are the kinds of people who, by the world standards, look as though they have nothing. They might even look foolish to people. These people include those who have left whatever level of social status they did have to live their lives following Jesus, living as his disciples. These are the ones whose heaven's eyes see to be first and the world's eyes see to be last. These are the ones who have left behind whatever 
the temporary life and its earthly domain may have to offer and have instead received eternal life and have entered into the kingdom of God. So this passage is a prime example of what it means to follow Jesus. And perhaps even more succinct is something that Jesus said earlier in Mark's gospel. In Mark 8.34, Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Mark 10, 17 to 31, the passage we were looking at, communicates the same message of denying oneself to follow Jesus. This passage supports and demonstrates overwhelmingly, clearly, that whatever takes a higher place in one's life than God is going to obstruct and prevent the individual from having a whole and healthy relationship with God. For this man, his health, his wealth, sorry, was not only great, but it was great enough in his mind and heart that it crowded out his sense of need for God. Though he did come to recognize his need, the comfort, trust, and security that he found in his possessions eclipsed his ability to let that all go and follow after God uninhibited. This passage calls all who would desire to follow after Jesus to be like the disciples who left everything and followed after him. And how this is applied and how this looks like is complex and wide-ranging. So may we, as followers of Jesus, consider the cross as an unavoidable reminder to follow Jesus no matter the cost. May we allow our lives and how we think and how we conduct ourselves to be shaped by the cross. Following the one who gave it all so following Jesus, who gave it all in order to restore the broken relationship between God and humanity, requires complete and total giving of self and the things of self. self. Out of Jesus' love and desire for relational wholeness between God and human beings, the Son of God calls the ones he gave his life for to willingly lay down anything that would otherwise obstruct them from having a whole relationship with him. He is calling us to lay it all down, following the example that he set on the cross. So may we answer with reckless and holy abandon for his sake, by his power, and without even a shred of resistance or reluctance to release our grip on comfort and to release our grip on the status quo. So let's go back to our early question how can we choose to deny ourselves? What does it mean to live a cruciform life, to live shaped by the cross? What do we feel? Help yourself. Anybody in there? We got a mic right here. I would say, uh, 
as uh, I should speak personally, I was going to say us women, and I thought, well, it might not be true for everyone, but there are times where my attitude is not so good, and and uh, maybe I don't feel like doing the dishes <laughs> or doing the laundry or doing whatever needs to be done, or I don't feel like whatever it is, you know, talking to somewhere, someone going somewhere, doing something, and so um, I think uh, I read just a couple days ago a scripture from the Old Testament. God is a God who sees me. And, and you mentioned that. Yes, we, and we all know that. He sees us. And he knows us. So it's not any surprise to him that little things, we, we get to take baby steps little at a time. Okay, this is not, I see that's not easy for you. I'll help you. Well, help me do this or that. And, uh, and he gives us probably a little bit more then mm. to stretch us even more. Thank you, Karen. getting ready for a Bible study on Tuesday with a group and uh, the phrase he humbled himself seemed like such a powerful phrase in Philippians 2 and that's what we're talking about here that to come after Jesus is to do what he did and that is to humble ourselves, and that's not always easy because sometimes we feel like recommending ourselves or or if something's unfair, why do I have to do this? And I want to grab on to that phrase, he humbled himself. And so I want to say, I, I want to learn to prefer that, to humble myself, and then let him take care of any kind of exalting that he wants to do at any point. Any other thoughts on how we allow the cross to, to influence us in our day-to-day, -day, following the cue that Jesus gives us? Andrew, that's a good lesson. Yeah. Uh, I was just thinking, like, when Jesus said to that rich man, um, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and follow me, he kind of could have put in three words. Sell her, give up everything you have like I did. Because <laughs> it dawns on me, Jesus never asked us to do anything that he didn't already do. And then maybe, maybe if the guy wasn't rich in money, maybe it was popularity, he could have said, hey, you know what, why don't you give up all that popularity that you get being in your social crowd, and you'll come hang out with me and these losers, you know? <laughs> and uh, that the world thinks are losers anyway, you know what I mean? Yeah. But... I, I'm just trying to think of something, because I'm not a rich man, but I'm trying to think what he would ask somebody else to, to give up mm -hmm. and, and fill in the blank. And, it's, and he still could always put, like I did, couldn't he? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Just yeah, like I'm good. That's good. Thank you, Steve.
Um, just a sec here. I'm looking at a verse. Um, okay. Matthew 6, 19. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on the earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So in this case, we think, you know, there's the prosperity gospel and a lot of things. Um, and then it doesn't seem like any shame for Christians to pursue wealth. Um, in fact, that's maybe sometimes associated with being blessed, which is true. But Jesus makes it very clear. It says, do not, okay, lay up treasures on earth. I mean, making it very clear. It's a do not lay up treasures on earth. Yeah. And so, no, but that's not, doesn't leave a lot of room there for question. It's very clear. Very clear. But our cult, the Christian culture here is absolutely opposite. Yeah, just, you know, I mean, when you're a little older, people are wondering about your your retirement income. If you don't, if you have 50,000 or 10,000, it seems like you've been irresponsible. But it, it, Jesus seems to contradict that. And so I pray that he would give us in this new season, in the, the new season, uh, Paschal season, resurrection season, when he makes all things new, that he renew our vision to put everything into the kingdom. Yes. Well, Tim and I were talking about that verse on Friday night. We're out for a walk about laying up treasures in heaven. And um, just thank you for your message. Like God's kingdom is really upside down. And he renews our mind, and then he expects us to take steps of faith that really reflect that yes. right where the rubber meets the road mm -hmm. and um, of course for me everything goes back to the Williams because that's our calling in life right now that's been kind of cost us a lot of relationships mm -hmm. because they're so hated and people don't understand but I just also want to honor my husband because like, we don't have money saved up because we've given everything for legal costs. And it hasn't been hard. Wow. Because we know, well, that's the channel and we're not the source. So, wow. you know, I like, <laughs> sometimes he's like, what I want a pontoon boat. <laughs> I'm like, well, you've got treasures in heaven. So I, I we, were, we were talking about this. I Sometimes, sometimes you, I get the feeling like, you know, um, why is it always my checkbook? <laughs> and um, I, I'll, I'll give you a testimony. Because I'm getting to that point in life where I'm supposed to be saving up for retirement, right? And <laughs> um, the, the simple matter is God is faithful, whether you're starting out and young with a family or whether you're and, you know, at the end of the road, uh, my dad and mom were just tremendous examples to me. They sold 
Like they sold everything and moved to Northern Minnesota to start a ministry. Wow. And, and during that time, my dad, I was able to work with my dad like every, every day till I was like 28 years old, from 13 years old to 28 years old. I mean, I spent 15 years as an apprentice to my father, not just in my trade, but also in life and as in the ministry. Um, and as time went on, um, you know, my, my wife and I ended up moving back to the Twin Cities. My mom and dad <coughs> um, had, had really nothing, you know, to speak of. And, and they, out of, you know, they, and they, they, they lost the, the property that they were living in. And out of nowhere, somebody gave them a place to stay. Hmm. A house and a farm at, and land for grandkids to run around on. And I think it was probably, probably, what, six, eight years they lived in this place without having to pay for anything except the utilities at a time when they were retiring. Um, and then God brought us into a house that was so big we could have plenty of space for us and our 10 kids and have my mom and dad come wow. live with us oh, after them. Wonderful. And throughout all that time, they didn't have any money. They, they didn't have a million dollars saved up. Mm. And God took care of them. And so, you know, I, I just, that was a, such an example to me. And I, I was going to give honor to my wife because as, we, as God brought us, she has devoted herself to people that God has brought into our lives and she has been, okay, her name is Ruth, and that means friend. Mm -hmm. And uh, she, she, um, she became friends with a, a special needs person, gal. Was her name Karen? No, I don't remember. In high school. And when I mean, we got married, she can, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just that one gal. Um, and then after we were married, uh, uh, God brought a single gal into our life, Barb, with her little son, and and she she cared for that. Um, uh, what was that little kid's name? Come on, Danny. Danny. Yeah, and and just brought brought him into our family and just became a part of us for a short period of time until Barb moved on, and then uh, you know this continued to happen and and. Um, we moved into the house that God brought us that where we are now 26 years ago and Across the alley we met a young gal who had this child who needed help and And from the time Seth was what three or four? Um, two um, Until the time when he was probably 10 or 12 we, we were his caregiver every day and and throughout that whole process the mother ended up you know getting recovering out of drugs and getting her life back together and getting married and they're uh, I mean it just every time we turn around my wife God is using my wife to to befriend people and then I get to be the checkbook and it's a wonderful partnership <laughs> you, can over, you can over and sit over here because we're going to bless you for that no, if you, you, I'm just going to move this because okay. CJ's over there going what why don't you come come this way, Andrew? Because they're they're living it, 
And I'm not saying that others, you others aren't, but the, there, it's obvious that what Tim knows, he could be a rich man. I know that. And you've chosen to give it away rather than to, to um, collect it. So uh, that's what the sermon was about. But if anybody knows of a good pontoon boat that's cheap, um, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's just bless them. Let's bless Tim and Ruth because uh, they have Larry and Carrie, and I know that they have given probably thousands, multiplied thousands. Would that be accurate uh, for, for that situation? and for other people that you've lived selflessly. So uh, way to go. You're a good example to us. So uh, bless them, Andrew. And anybody else that wanna, wants to pray over them, I'll give you a mic. Can I say, I think it just, go, for, for all of us, it goes back to what Karen was saying. Just what do I have in my hands? I do it for you, Lord. You know, just having, have, serving God right where we are. And then God just, Brings, brings things, brings people into our lives, and that's the next thing. And, and you didn't have it's just faithful and little, faithful and uh, taking care of your children and yeah, having a heart of a servant, needing to have grace for that. It's just like one step at a time, and then, okay. Um, baby steps of faith constitute a journey of faith. It's the baby steps of obedience that constitute a journey of faith. Yeah. Well, we want to bless you for, for uh, not holding back, but giving freely to others. Thank you. Yeah, Jesus, we just uh, come before you. We love it. Thank you, Jesus, uh, for your example of self-sacrificial love and uh, choosing others before yourself and we just recognize the, the supreme, ultimate uh, demonstration that, that you gave. And where we just see uh, that self-sacrificial love reflected in Tim and Ruth, God. And uh, Lord, I just thank you for who they are, how you have um, designed them, created them, what you have instilled in each one and in them as a couple. And, uh, Lord, as they have uh, given so much uh, for the sake and benefit of others, I just thank you that you see them and that you uh, are aware of their every need, God. And um, as they choose you and to, uh, to be like you, we just bless them, Lord, for mm -hmm. what um, faith that they have chosen to express and yeah, being able to to give even if it hurts to a point, God. And um, Lord, I just ask that you would bless them, that you would refill them, refresh them in every way, God. And we just thank you for Tim and Ruth and they could be a part of this community together. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And any of the children that are, are still holding back, yes, we bless any children, yes. we bless any... Uh, Children-in-laws, those that are connected to the family in any way, we pray for their salvation. We pray that those who are struggling, who haven't found themselves yet, we believe for them. 
because they've had an example in Timothy and Ruth how to live well, how to live wisely, how to live frugally, how to give yourselves away, how to be an example of selling out, as Jesus talked about in this passage. We bless them for being an example to us, an example to others. And so uh, we look forward to hearing how you bring those around uh, that we're praying for with you, people that we believe for, come through. And we bless Larry and Carrie today. And thank you, Father, that uh, Timothy and Ruth have given thousands their cause. We bless them as well. Just say in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to give the benediction now, but let's stay tuned uh, till, till 12, CJ. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to smile on you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.